On this episode of Geek 4, I'm joined by Lucas Twyman. Lucas is a well-known figure in the Toronto bar scene, having bartended here for over a decade. And he's my local barkeep, making delicious cocktails at Famous Last Words in the Junction. He also teaches these cocktail-making classes there, and those classes are excellent. I've taken three of them. Recently, Lucas has become the Angel's Envy Whiskey Guardian for Toronto, representing the Angel's Envy brand across the city. And I wanted to find out what made Lucas first interested in liquor, mixology, bartending, which is as much a social skill as it is a technical skill. And Lucas is an excellent bartender. Over the course of the conversation, I learned lots of things, and mostly that Lucas is a geek for lots of different things. Godzilla, he worked for a roleplay game company. This was a fun conversation. I only wish we could have had it over a drink. If you're in and around the Toronto area and want to take one of Lucas's literary-themed cocktail-making classes at Famous Last Words, I'll drop a link to their website in the show notes. Enjoy. Cheers. This is Geek 4 a podcast about fans, fandom, and fan culture. I'm Dr. Michael Boyce. Everyone likes something, but what are you a geek for? Lucas Twyman, thank you for joining me here on Geek 4. How are you doing? I'm doing well, you know, uh, doing well. It's early in the morning for me, but... uh... Yes. So you are this amazing bartender and i'm really curious to get into how you got into making cocktails your interest in making cocktails and then talking about your new venture uh as the whiskey guardian for toronto for angels envy whiskey um when did you first realize that you really liked cocktails um it's it's kind of funny um i i've always known how to make some cocktails uh uh I uh, I grew up in Kentucky, so I grew up in Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, uh, bourbon's kind of part of the culture there. So I knew how to make Manhattans, knew how to make old fashions, and when we had like house parties and things, I I'd, I'd often make cocktails there. But I didn't really get into cocktails as a kind of professional thing until um, the late aughts, say okay. like two thousand eight, two thousand nine or so. Um, I was doing bourbon tastings for uh, some friends, especially after I moved to Canada. And not everybody who comes to a whiskey tasting always wants to drink just a whole bunch of whiskey. So I started looking into uh, cocktails as a, as a way to kind of provide some hospitality for the rest of my guests. And uh, I, there weren't that many books around that time. There were a few and mm-hmm. they didn't have, nowadays it's a whole industry of, of incredible books and incredible resources out there for anyone who wants to learn how to make drinks. Uh, but a lot of the books that we, that I'd been given over the years uh, were basically just lists of recipes, which doesn't really teach you actually what making cocktails is kind of about. Uh, it, it, so it was kind of trial and error and learning, Hey, wait a minute, this, this cocktail is kind of like that cocktail. Mm-hmm. Uh and learning how to switch things in and out and figuring out those ratios that, that was something that just kind of came over time um and when i started bartending uh, up here in toronto i uh really kind of got into that aspect of it uh i didn't necessarily work at a whiskey bar in fact i worked at a what is essentially a big nightclub mm. but uh it was learning how to not just make cocktails make them quickly make them make them for volume and then uh, 
and, and change them, right, for people's specific tastes. And you've also been doing, um, for the last while, I'm not sure how long, um, cocktail making classes at Famous Last Words. How is the like? How has been the teaching aspect of that of, of people who are interested in in making cocktails because they like drinking them? Um, what's that like? Teaching's fun. I, I have a background in, in education. Um, I went to school. I've got a psych degree. I worked in a preschool. Uh, I worked. Uh, I worked with kids with uh, different developmental needs over the years. So teaching's always been something I'm, I'm kind of passionate about. So it made sense to transition over to cocktails. And you can have a little bit more fun teaching a cocktail class. You can. You can. I can be. You know, worked with kids, so it's pretty silly. But I. You can be. You can make jokes. You can. You can have a good time. Um, mm-hmm. And cocktails, it's not a life or death thing, uh, unless you really screw <laughs> up. <True. I> <laughs> so, so yeah, it, 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 it's pretty fun to do that. Um, I did some classes and, and more. I was doing more tastings and things prior to working at uh, at Famous. But with Famous, because we have uh, the the bar is kind of a, a book themed cocktail bar, so a lot of the classes have uh, literary themes, and that makes it easy an easy place to start. Mm-hmm. because otherwise oftentimes you just got people sitting down and you're like, okay, well, here's how you shake. Here's how you stir. It's, mm-hmm. it's done. Um, running those classes initially with Marlene actually taught uh, who's the owner of famous last words taught me how to uh, uh, kind of put some meat on those bones of, of the basics of making cocktails. And now I've run classes without those kind of themes and, and, some of the same jokes still work. Some of the same. Uh, <laughs> when you get when you get a pattern going, it's good to just yeah. keep that running. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Makes, makes sense. But it, it's fun every time, right? I, it's it's one of my mo- it's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, it's run the actual cocktail classes, and uh, it, it it's exciting to see people you know get get to do it, and also you know it gives people an idea of of, of the kind of work that I'm actually doing. And making one or two cocktails is pretty easy, but making one or two hundred cocktails a night is it's a it's a whole different animal. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's the same thing. Like uh, I've learned how to cook a little bit over the years, and uh, just because I can make a, a pretty good curry doesn't mean that I uh, I want to do it every night. Sometimes yeah. I appreciate having a real professional be able to do that for me. So I'm not worried about losing my job. Makes perfect sense. So how long have you been bartending professionally then? Um, I bartended a little bit in my early twenties, uh, mm-hmm. down in, uh, down in the States. I was, you know, working at, uh, restaurants and, uh, uh, briefly in a, in a, in a club. Um, and, but I'd say I've worked in bars for about 15 years okay. and I've been a professional bartender now, uh, full-time in Canada for almost 11. Okay. Uh, it'll be 11 this year. So, um, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> Most good chunk of my adult life. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think I'm getting to the age where, like, saying, "Oh, that was a decade ago," doesn't feel as like horrifying as it used to. Um, yeah. You know, that was ten years ago. Whatever. In your opinion, what makes a great bartender? Um, there's a couple. There's really two things. One is, uh, well, kind of three. One's attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that, a bigger, a broader, the second thing is a broader part that includes that attention to detail. It's, uh, it's well, giving a crap, you know, 
actively caring about what you're what you're doing, actively caring about your guests, and that plays into the third thing, which uh, you can be a great cocktail maker. You can be a great uh, uh, any of the aspects of of bartending. It would be like a true bartender as opposed to any of the other wacky terms that people use for my job is is actively caring about your guests and being able to uh, being able to interact with them and uh, provide hospitality because that's really really fundamentally what it is uh, being able to give people a an experience that that they enjoy that they potentially remember but uh, but that, that that they appreciate um, bartending is, is tending to your bar right like yeah. that's that's fundamentally it's built into the word uh, you're not a you're not a drink maker you're not necessarily a glass polisher although it mostly feels like that um, and you're not uh, even even if you're like a dive bar bartender it's the same fundamental skill set even if you're not making you know elaborate six seven ingredient cocktails your goal is actually, uh, that interaction with the guest. That's, mm -hmm. that's really what being a great bartender is all about. It's interesting. Like, um, you know, as somebody who now frequents famous last words and a few other bars in the city, like, it's really interesting. The difference in, in, in personality type of the bartender of the ones I will go back to, um, you know, like it is that connection. There's a reason I sit at the bar. Um, cause it's, it's just enjoyable to a watch how things are made, but also that, connection and, and conversation that happens, you know, infrequently as things are going on. But it's it's a really special skill, I think, that a great bartender has. And it's something that you can kind of develop and learn over time, but you have to genuinely enjoy interacting with people. And mm -hmm. that's kind of the you can teach so many things to a bartender and some 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 of them take longer than others to to pick up certain aspects of it. Uh, but you have to start with that kind of fundamental desire to to spend a lot of time around other people, get to know other people, and build rapports. That's yeah. that's kind of the core of, of also education is is building rapport. But yeah, um, it, uh, it it's really I think the core of, of, of what bartending is is mm. is you building your rapport with your guest and and caring about both them and 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 your space, mm -hmm. and that's what they're paying you for it's it's a uh, it it's an inter it's an interesting at, react, uh, interaction because i realized a little while ago that people don't come to the bar necessarily for the drinks they they do like that might be why they come to my bar versus others right like because the, they're specifically coming to a cocktail bar but they're nobody nobody's coming to uh, going to a bar because they they want a drink they're going to a bar because they want a space to drink in and mm -hmm. they want someone to be providing that drink to them. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm not worried about, you know, like, like bartenders necessarily getting replaced by automation anytime soon, because there's no, I can pour myself a drink. I don't want to go somewhere where there's like a machine that will mix me a drink. I want someone to actually be serving it to me and someone to talk to. Uh, a robot isn't going to have your witty pattern. Yeah. Like that's, you know, yeah, it, it does feel like a, a job that maybe won't ever go anywhere, right? Mm. It's uh, it, it's something I thought very deeply before the pandemic, and uh, that was a little bit of a uh, a shock to the system that I had a couple years where you know I, I couldn't actually do do my job. Um, yeah, but but barring like some sort of terrifying global pandemic, uh, I think bartending is going to be sticking around for as long as humans are are 
drinking and not even necessarily alcohol, right? Like there, there are bars now that focus on, um, uh, focus on alcohol free drinks. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, uh, there, you know, even like things like being a barista, that's, it's very, it's, it's that same sort of fundamental thing. Yeah. The difference between, you know, going to a real coffee shop that specializes, that has the, the proper machines and a Tim Hortons, um, yeah, no, I yeah. It. You can you can't really fast food a. Uh, there there are different bars, right? Like if you go to uh, the bar at you know the Air Canada Center or whatever they call the Sky Dome now, it's you're not exactly getting the same bar experience as yeah. you are sitting at a bar. And like you mentioned before, I'm I'm also a sit at a bar guy. I love bars. That's why mm-hmm. I like. Yeah. It's, it's I love going to bars. I love talking to bartenders. I love watching bartenders work because mm-hmm. everybody's got their own little things. You can learn from it. Uh, yeah. You can just the way people move their hands in different ways. And uh, but even even the nuts and bolts, I love watching bartenders work and I love, you know, getting the chance to talk to them. Um, so. Uh, yeah, sit at the bar, guys. Yeah, it's, it's it's not the it's not the last resort. It's actually it should be your first resort. Is yeah. The, new places it's endlessly fascinating um you know and whether whether it's it's you behind the bar or low or or marlene like it's so much fun to just watch how everyone works differently a little bit and how they make the drinks and the the little things that they do differently um it's it's really interesting when did you first feel confident as a as a bartender like making your own drinks understanding how different liquors work together did that how did that develop i mean there's sort of the when it comes to the things like 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 feeling confident and feeling like you have mastery or or i think different things right yes i felt i look back at some of the earlier stuff i was doing pretty early on in 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 cocktail bartending right like a year into it i was i was already being entered into competitions and things mm-hmm. um and i look back at my drinks now and i'm like those are terrible uh they weren't terrible they they mostly worked but uh I'm not someone who is, is a naturally confident human being. I've got a lot of imposter syndrome going on, mm-hmm. but uh, it's really in the last like three or four years. I've, I've, I've really felt that, yeah, I, you could drop me into almost any bar program and I at least won't humiliate myself. And, and more importantly, a lot of the other aspects of bartending, I felt, I feel a lot more confident with like, mm-hmm. uh, like floor service wasn't something I, cause I did a lot of like high volume stuff early on. So yeah. I was used to working the service well, which is where you're basically, you're just slamming out all the drinks and your chits are coming up and you're, you're doing that. And I always felt reasonably confident in that. I wasn't, I'm not the world's fastest bartender by any means, but I, I cannot screw stuff up. Um, but yeah, the last like like four or five years i've really felt like i can do any sort of aspect of hospitality mm. uh i still a little bit iffy on wine service but uh, but that that seems very particular um, yeah well and it's it's just i don't i don't know as much about wine as i do mm. spirits and beer and, and and things along those lines but uh uh yeah it's it's really the last four or five years okay um i had a, this conversation with with my wife where uh uh, a few years back where I was like, Oh, you know, I've got a, I'm, I'm not that great a bartender. I, I was, I was feeling down on myself and she's like, well, who are you comparing yourself to? And she, you know, I listed a couple of people and she's like, didn't, didn't that guy just win, you know, like, 
his bar just won best bar in in Canada, or this guy's bar just got you know like top fifty bars in the world, things along those lines. Um, and I realized that yeah, I was kind of unfairly comparing myself to literally the the best bartenders. <laughs> Some of the best bartenders. It's good to have those comparisons to aspire to greater things, but yeah, yeah. If you're down on yourself, no, you're and and, and I don't want to be those guys because I I didn't want to. I don't have the time to devote. I don't devote myself my entire life to to my craft. I have other mm-hmm. things going on. I've yeah. got specifically, I've got a family. I'm not gonna not gonna be the guy that that puts in sixty seventy hours a week yeah. for for and lives for you know the making the perfect drink and having the perfect shake and things along those lines and i don't get that 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 kind of investment or that kind of feedback uh with um emotionally Mm -hmm. i should say i i get i i i feel a lot more joy if i have two people sitting at the bar at the end of the night as i'm closing and i'm telling jokes and 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 they're telling jokes back and we're talking about you know like classic vinyl records or something mm-hmm. i get more joy out of that than i than i do feeling like i i i built the world's greatest manhattan and but the thing is that's also bartending that's what people are paying me for it's yeah. it's it's also an aspect of of the job uh, it's not just making the perfect drink and um and realizing that that was the case that's the that's actually the thing i care about is is those human interactions actually liberated me a lot it made me made me less worried about uh, needing to keep up with other bartenders to keep up with other people because I still have people coming out to see me. They're still mm-hmm. paying me to do it, uh, which is great. I love doing it. I probably do it, and I have done it for free. But uh, <laughs> but it's nice to to feel like like I'm capable of doing this as a as a career. What sorts of trends have you seen in cocktails in your time as a bartender or like types of alcohol, types of drink, niche, niche products? There's, there's a lot. Um, you know, the, the different, there are definitely different spirits that have been hot at different times. So when I started bartending in Toronto uh, in 2012, um, we were consistently a few years behind the U.S. in mm-hmm. kind of trends and and in, in just styles of bartending. Like, like you saw, you could go to you know most of the big cities in two thousand seven or two thousand eight in the U.S. and uh, it was kind of the same with beer. We were like five six years behind in beer, and now we're pretty much caught up. But yeah. um, you, you and go to like your average bar and get a pretty solid cocktail. That wasn't really the case until like the early to mid to 2010s in, mm. in Toronto, like where even dive bars, you could maybe get an old fashioned. Uh, but like bourbon was really popular up here. American rye was really popular up here. And then, uh, and by, by like 2015 or so Mezcal had started becoming a hot thing mm-hmm. in at least the bartender uh, realm. And now it's, you know, Mezcal and, and, and tequila agave spirits are, are taking over the world. <laughs> And it's funny because to me, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, Blanco tequila, it's an old hat, right? Like, a, yeah. uh, it's been, the margarita's always been arguably the most popular cocktail in the world. So it's not, it's not a trend as, as an idea to me, but, but when you look at things like sales, mm. uh, agave spirits, very specifically tequilas, have, they're, they're starting to overtake vodka as the most popular spirit. Interesting. And you saw kind of a reaction to to that kind of popularity uh, of, for example, things like vodka when 
when the cocktail bar scene really started emerging up here in Toronto in the in, in the early 2010s, late 2000, like late aughts, early 2010s, mm-hmm. where you had bars like Cocktail Bar, you know, posting on their wall, we we don't we don't carry vodka, you know, we don't we don't make vodka cocktails. Um, and then you saw kind of this reaction to that. Uh, starting you know like like six seven years ago where people were like well you know like this pays the bills uh cocktails can be fun again you know like we can do whatever and then now we're seeing kind of an equilibrium the interesting thing i think trend wise that we're seeing is we're definitely seeing things we're we're getting simple again Mm -hmm. which i like um Mm -hmm. i'm a class i like classic very simple cocktails Mm -hmm. um now we're starting to see things get more complex again we're starting to see people start to really incorporate um uh a lot of the kind of more molecular or sophisticated chef-like techniques again mm-hmm. which kind of fallen by the wayside especially you know leading into the pandemic and then and during the pandemic i think that you know that cocktail masters or whatever it's called show on netflix mm-hmm. um where frankie Soleric, who owns bar chef he was one of the judges i think you saw a lot of that there where that that plays for TV and that plays for Instagram and that plays for all those kind of things. Having like having elaborate physical transitions or transformations in, in what is normally a cocktail or having a surprising presentation um, is, is starting to become a little bit more popular. Uh, and there's all sorts of stuff playing around the edges. You know, every year there's there's lists of like, these are going to be the new cocktail trends. And every year, the top one's always like, non-alcoholic cocktails are going to become huge this year. And they are huge. Like if you're, if you have a cocktail program, you have to have uh, some low and no ABV options on your list. But uh, uh, there is something about alcohol, I think, where people are... Uh, I don't know how many bars in Toronto at least are going to are, are being supported entirely on their on their non-alcoholic options. Mm. But it's nice to see see more spirit or non-alcoholic spirit alternatives being offered. Um, yeah. So that's a big one. Uh, some like molecular or more chef based techniques. Uh, that's another big one that's happening. Agave obviously is it's it's gone from you know like one of the most popular spirits to the most popular spirit. Uh, base. Um, I think rum is poised to kind of really be really exciting. That surprised uh, me. You you told me that a little while ago, and um, yeah, I, I great um, that people are investing in like classic craft rum. Um, yeah, something that only pirates drank for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's 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 like anything, right? Like you, um, it, it's all in how you handle it, and a lot of uh, any alcohol you can make on an industrial scale. Uh-huh. Uh, distillation is, it's a process that extracts ethanol from a fermented uh, liquid. Um, and anything you do at the highest end to get the highest yield uh-huh. is is going to, you know, it's going to be less interesting because it's going to strip away a lot of, a lot of those kind of fundamental characters. Um, and you're starting to see that with tequila now too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like where they're they're distilling tequila out to higher and higher percentages in the distillation, so the tequila ends up being basically like vodka plus, you know, like a little hint of whatever tequila mm-hmm. flavor you expect. But that's how rum's been for a while, unfortunately. So now people are starting to really embrace like this is what fermented sugarcane tastes like. These are kind of the f- weird flavors in the esters, um, and and. Uh, uh, 
the real kind of funky elements, uh, unexpected elements. Um, uh, I've always been a little bit annoyed when, when people try a spirit and they're like, oh, that's smooth, because that's the least interesting descriptor. <laughs> it's like when you say, oh, that person, they're nice. Doesn't, doesn't teach you anything. No. Uh, smooth, is, uh, smooth is there and gone. Uh, I want, I want, I want something usually a little bit more challenging when I'm consuming something. So. Sure. I've always heard that like Gordon Ramsay, I think it was Gordon Ramsay said like, if, if I'm ever testing out a chef, I want them to make me an omelet. Mm -hmm. It's fundamental. You're checking out a new bartender. What are you asking for? It's like a, 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 a an omelet. A cocktail. Uh, the, the omelet of the, the bartending world is, is the classic shaken rum daiquiri. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a hundred percent. If I'm going into a space and I want to, uh, I want to see if they know how to make a drink. Yep. I order a, a daiquiri because there's a few different responses to that. It's a little bit tricky. Sometimes they'll go, "Oh yeah, sorry man, I don't have a blender. Don't have any strawberries." Which, if you look at like the what the kind of daiquiri I'm talking about, it's just it's just rum, sugar. And, and lime, right? You can use simple, simple syrup for your sugar. Uh, you can do whatever, but it's just three ingredients, the simplest thing in the world. Uh, and uh, the kind of rum you choose matters. The But you can make a good daiquiri with a, you know, a, a cheap rum. Um, sure. It's because it's delightful. It's a delightful drink. Uh, mm -hmm. But if, if someone needs to look up a daiquiri or if they get the proportions <laughs> wrong, it's really obvious. Uh, uh, and, you know, maybe they don't, know how to make a cocktail um mm. that doesn't mean you can't get a good cocktail in a space like that especially if if they uh if they've got an elaborate list maybe the bartenders uh, are, are relatively new and they've just been trained on how to make the the drinks just from that list yeah so the you can, yes. or they'll batch things or whatever so you can expect to get a reasonable cocktail because somebody's put some effort into mm -hmm. into making those drinks at some point so i'll, I'll often order from from lists but if i if i'm like I don't know about this place. Just get a daiquiri. Daiquiri. It's, oh. it's the omelet of the bartending world. <laughs> Gordon, Gordon Ramsay's omelet. Yes, trademark us. Um, so now, in addition to bartending, you are now the whiskey guardian for Angels mm -hmm. Envy Whiskey. What does that entail? Whiskey guardian is kind of the fancy way, you know, because we're Angels Envy. So, you know, the guardian angels, all that fun stuff. It's the fancy way of, of saying brand ambassador. So, uh, it's not quite a sales rep. It's instead uh, the the job of a brand ambassador for a spirits brand, um, especially like kind of the way it's 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 often run in the U.S. Up here, you'll see advertisements for brand ambassadors with like 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 job hiring sites where they they just mean you're going to go to the LCBO and you're going to shove a sample on anyone's hand who walks by. But an actual brand ambassador. Uh, in the U.S., at least, is is more you're developing relationships with uh, uh, with your brand and, and the bar. You're representing your brand, um, mm -hmm. and by that, it's like, oh, I represent my brand. I'm wearing I'm wearing a T-shirt. It's not it's not quite that. It's it's going in to bars, um, educating the staff on on your product and and the category of, of your product as a whole. So for me, it's 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 American whiskey. Um, it's a uh, it's a weird subcategory of bourbon called bourbon specialties, but it's, it's more or less, it's a, it's a, we start with a straight bourbon. And uh, so I'm educating people on 
the creation of, of bourbon, the rules of bourbon, uh, why our product, what our product does differently, what all bourbons do similarly, um, how to taste it, how to, how to smell it. But, but, you know, like just, you know, there's a lot of whiskeys out there. Uh, there's a lot of different spirits out there. So why would you drink Angel's Envy? Uh, and I can kind of, I, I break down why it's an interesting, exciting product. And it's, it's one of, I keep using the word product makes me sound, feel kind of weird, but that's, it, it's a, it, oh man, it's good juice. I, is, I, I've is. been drinking it for, it's been around for a bit over a decade. I've been drinking it for almost that long. It hasn't been available up here until recently. So I was pretty excited that, uh, that I could work with them because. Well, you made me a cocktail with, with it, uh, recently and it, it's fantastic. I, I hadn't known, and I'm a very, very novice cocktail maker um switching bourbon out for like switching bourbon in in place of rye or something like that actually works really well uh i think you taught me how to make a an improved whiskey cocktail that's one of my favorites uh with bourbon and absinthe and simple syrup and maraschino liqueur which i need to find something else to make with maraschino <laughs> liqueur because i have a giant bottle of it for this you know spoon bar spoon need but it's great yeah. Well, the nice thing about maraschino is it's not necessarily going to go bad on your shelf. No, I, I've, no. I've had the same bottle open for several years now. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, you can definitely make all sorts of tasty, tasty cocktails with it. It's it's finished in port barrels, so uh, that little kind of notes of wine work really well. So it's fabulous in Manhattan's, I find. Oh, um, excellent. But excellent. Uh, but yeah, you can you can do a lot with. Uh, with the with, with these different spirits um but yeah my my, my job in general is is people uh, I, I tell it to people and, and they laugh right like i and fundamentally it's me going into bars and talking to bartenders and ordering drinks which i would so using probably. all of the social skills you have as a bartender <laughs> yeah <laughs> on bartenders it's brilliant i love it yeah. it's it actually sounds like a lot of fun just going into bars and talking to people um, you must know all the best bars in Toronto now. So, yeah, and yeah, and it's a little bit more elaborate than that because we we're doing um, uh, uh, there's all sorts of you know press events and industry events, and part of part of my job is is going to be running a lot of those too. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm doing a, a a press event for for na in the U.S. They have National Bourbon Day, and it's next week. Okay. I'm going to be doing a press event for that. I'm going to be doing a couple other things this month. Uh, and, you know, taking bartenders out and, and, and kind of using it. It's a very capitalistic kind of thing, but they're using my relationships and the relationships I've developed uh, to hopefully help people remember the brand. But they're at least compensating me for it instead of it just being a, a general thing. So I, I feel not so bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. as long as you're uh, getting as long as you're getting paid as long as they're getting paid yeah it's it's kind of funny to say that but it's it's uh nice. it's also very nice to say that because it means that i get to uh promote something i actually genuinely enjoy and also in doing so get to buy my son new shoes so <laughs> so it's a win-win for everyone practical and, and, things but the idea the idea is like I, I I go in bartenders get to know me they and when next time that they reach for a spirit to make you know a, a bourbon to make a cocktail with they might go oh yeah Lucas you know was in the other day and, yeah. and we had he he tried 
I, I tried this or, you know, Lucas, you know, like ran that fun event or that competition or whatever. Uh -huh. I had a great time and now I'm going to reach for angels envy this time. Um, and that's pretty much what the brand ambassador gig is, is kind of, uh, it's promotion. It's, I mean, I'm glad they're spending it on me rather than a billboard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Build, build, building relationships, right? I need to buy some more bourbon soon and uh, Angel's Envy <laughs> will be what I, what I purchase. So there you go. There you go. There you, go. you also posted recently about a cocktail that's made in the series finale of succession. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you explain your issue with this cocktail? Okay. Well, they made a classic martini um, or at least that's what I assume it is. It's a clear drink. It's stirred. Uh, it's kind of not to get too spoilery, but at the mm -hmm. end of the series, uh, if you've watched Succession, it's it's about this this family of horrible people. Um, every one of them is horrible. I don't know why anyone would root for any members of that family. They're they're, they're all the dirt worst. Um, but uh, the character played by Kieran Culkin, um, he uh, at the end he's sitting at a bar and he's kind of contemplating, and they do a tight a tight shot of his his face his acting's great uh, uh his reaction to kind of the fallout of the events of, of the end of the series and he's sitting at a bar the bartender's making him a cocktail and like i said i'm assuming it's a martini it's in a big martini glass mm -hmm. uh but the way the bartender stirs it it's like if you like grab the top of a pencil by the by the eraser and you just kind of wiggle it in a circle so there isn't really any movement of that of that bar spoon. You're not getting any dilution. And he does it for like a second, and then he he strains it into a glass, um, and he's stirring it in a in a in a shaker, which is fine. You know, you can stir in whatever. Um, he strains it into the glass, and he presses the strainer all the way down so that the the uh, it, if you if you do that, you can kind of split. The pour so it's mm -hmm. it's like if you're pouring two shots at once you do that okay and if you're you're just doing that normally um i see people do that starting out a lot because they assume you know you want to push down but it, it's there's no reason for you to be pouring that way so he pours it into a glass and you know the pour lines off because it's an enormous <laughs> martini glass and, and it's only halfway full and it just it's it's probably just water, right? Because it's yeah. Who knows if Kieran Culkin's actually drinking a bunch of martinis over the course of a bunch of takes? <laughs> but it just it it looks terrible. It's just a terrible looking, a terribly made cocktail. It you can tell that that they're not that the person doing it doesn't actually know how to make a drink. And it's it stood out to me in particular of that series because it's a series where there's entire blogs devoted to like the minutia of the fashion that the characters are wearing. Mm -hmm. So it was super weird to me to finally see like a bartender in the background making something and they're just doing a horrible job, which might be, it might be a metaphor for the Could be intentional. Could be they're, intentional. They're ordering something fancy and they're getting something terrible, which is kind of, kind of, you know, that's the whole thing is these rich people are, they don't appreciate actually what they have. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it just. <laughs> <laughs> Do you often watch movies and like like the the musician going? Well, he's not actually playing like <laughs> like with bartenders. They're like he's not he doesn't know what he's doing. Okay. Well, Is that I, you? <laughs> yeah, I wonder. You know, do doctors watch ER and go? That's not how. Would never work. ever ever <laughs> stitch things like that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. 
They never, they're, you know, watching House. They never, <laughs> you never diagnosed lupus. Come on, you know, like it's always lupus on House. <laughs> yeah, but uh, oh. yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of that. Um, I'll, I'll see that. You know, sometimes I'll see the way like bartenders pour in the background. Normally, because usually in a bar in a, in a in a TV show or a movie, it's usually a dive bar, right? I remember watching Daredevil, uh, an episode of like the Netflix Daredevil series years ago, mm-hmm. and I watched like the bartender was pouring booze into a glass and just the way that they were pouring the bottle just looked so incredibly awkward they're like holding the bottom of the bottle and like <laughs> pouring it like weirdly and i was just like come on this like this isn't even something that like a normal human being would do to pour a bottle that they, that they that's had, some right? poor extra who's like if i do this i'll get noticed yeah if i do something so unbelievably awkward people will yeah. look at me yeah because oh. it's it, yeah, there's lots of different ways to do things behind the bar. There's no necessarily like one correct way, mm-hmm. but there are the more efficient ways to do things. And, <laughs> and there's just the uncomfortable way. Yeah, it, it's know. just yeah, it's it's just weird to watch somebody uh, who it it feels like you know they've never they've never even picked up a bottle of liquor in their life pouring something into a Which, glass. If they're and, if they're actors who like are doing work on you know as as extras the chances are they are servers of some kind um yeah they probably have worked in bars you'd think so yeah, yeah. and uh, i've got friends who live in la like one of my best friends growing up he, he lives out there and he does a lot of extra work and, and and things along those lines but he's a he's a bartender out there um so i would expect if he was hired for a scene he'd probably do a wicked job and and you see certain things where like uh, i i rewatched a bunch of episodes of cheers during the pandemic mm-hmm and uh, Ted Danson behind that bar, uh, apparently he's never really bartended, but he moves sort of like a bartender. You can tell that he mm. watched somebody at least. Like yeah. the way he tosses glasses between his hands, mm-hmm. it might have been initially because he was like, oh, I'm an ex-baseball player. who would probably be throwing the ball back and forth. But that's something you do in order to be quick behind the bar, right? You'll yeah. toss a glass from one hand to another, and then you'll grab the bottle and you pour Um it's not all like it's little aspects of things that people might consider to be like bar flare, but are just like moving, moving more quickly. Uh, and, you know, the, the, even the way he polishes glasses and, and, and things like that and the way he he walks side by side, there's like a weird little like dance or crab walk shuffle you do with other people behind the bar. Yes. Like I'm watching Ted dance and, and cheers. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Ted Danson is weirdly convincing as a bartender. Like I can buy that he's doing this. Yeah. Whereas like when when you see someone who just does a terrible job on on tv or in a movie you're just like what what why it's not this isn't <laughs> this isn't gymnastics you know like it's just you just pour a drink in a glass just, just pour a drink all right do you have some time for some quick fast forward some back sure. and forth let's do it what was the first thing a young lucas was a geek for oh uh first thing i was a geek for probably godzilla Yes. Nice. Yeah. Very yeah. Nice. I, I loved Godzilla movies as a kid. I really like super duper love them. Uh, I've seen every Godzilla movie. I've got some merch. I've got like a custom made Godzilla, um, uh, a custom made Godzilla uh, uh, suitcase, all that kind of that my brother gave me one year for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I loved Godzilla. I'd watch it over and over as a kid. All right. If you could eradicate, wipe from existence one cocktail from the world, never to be thought of or mentioned again. What would you get rid of? Caesar. Um, no, it's got its place. Uh, and it, like, there are cocktails I hate, 
Yes. Uh, actually, Long Island iced tea. Let's say okay. Long Island iced tea. Right. It's just all the all the white bottles on the on the rail. It's it's dumb. It's a stupid cocktail. <laughs> what is the geekiest thing you Lucas own, and you can define geeky however you want, and it oh. can't now be the Godzilla suitcase. I own a lot of geeky stuff. I think I've told you that I, I even worked for a role-playing game company for a while, right? No. Um, oh, no? Which, which one? Uh, it was a company called Alderac Entertainment Group, oh, okay. uh, AG. So okay. they put out a bunch of... They do mostly board games now. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, I've got role-playing game credits uh, to my name. So right. probably something along those lines. I've got... Um, uh, I've got a signed Magic the Gathering card. Uh, Richard Garfield signed a Magic the Gathering card. That's probably pretty. That's probably the geekiest thing I have. All right. Yeah. What is your favorite cocktail from a book or a movie? Favorite cocktail from a book or a movie? You have to say the Pangalactic Gargle Blaster from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's <laughs> it's by far the the best described cocktail in a in a not a bar not, a, not a Vesper. Yeah. Oh. I mean, the Vesper's rad. Don't get me wrong. It's it's uh, but it's a martini, the Pangalactic Gargle Blaster. It's like uh, uh, wrapping a brick in gold and then uh, smashing it into your head. I believe is the description. That's uh, sounds like a sounds like a perfect cocktail. They charge you twenty eight dollars for that. <laughs> yeah. Like Where can people bucks. find you on social media? How can they support you? Can they take your bartending classes, bar uh, cocktail making classes? Yeah, I'm I'm on Instagram at Ontario Bourbon. Um, that's, uh, I, I post periodically. I'm going to be posting a lot more, obviously with my new job. Uh -huh. Uh, and, uh, I work at famous last words. I do the cocktail classes there. I'm going to, you'll be able to see me all around town in the upcoming months here in Toronto. Uh, take a look for, for different angels envy events. Um, I'm going to be doing, for example, for father's day, uh, hopefully it's been put up, but I'm going to be doing a, uh, an angels envy exclusive cocktail class. Um, Nice. Uh, for Father's Day, and uh, uh, I'll be doing all sorts of fun Angels Envy events and activations around town for the next, uh, uh, starting the next few months. So Awesome. I'll link to that in the show notes. And yeah, thank you again for your time. This was wonderful. Uh, thank you for getting up so early uh, and doing this. Um, and I had to take my kid to school anyway. So I just, <laughs> I was like lying, I was getting ready to, to lie down for a nap. And then I was and the notification, the reminder showed up on my phone. I was like, oh, right. Okay. You can go have a nap nap now. And uh, <laughs> You're going to answer some emails. <laughs> if, you ever have, yeah. if you ever need company on, on any of your excursions into bars, uh, let me know. Happy to do that. Um, do. Have a lovely day. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining me on Geek 4. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Geek4Pod or me on Twitter at MWBoyce. If you listen on Apple Podcast, click the subscribe button and consider leaving a five-star review. Be sure to join us next time when we learn what someone else is a geek for. <laughs>